upsetting. We cling to them, shorten them, identify with them. Sometimes we hide them or change them. Love yours or hate it, we've all got a name. And might I add, Jesus knows yours. What's in a name, though? Not all names are created equal. Just ask people like Saad Mann or Chris P. Bacon or Les McBurney. That, that was my favorite one because he's actually a firefighter. Les McBurney. Les McBurney. Or maybe they could ask the citizens of Fleetown, Ohio, or the citizens of Disappointment, Kentucky. Maybe they could ask the people of Boring, Oregon. Or perhaps they could turn and ask the folks of Why, Arizona. Or maybe go to North Carolina and ask the folks of Why Not, North Carolina. Maybe, I can get in trouble here, and Grandma, if you're watching, just skip forward like five seconds. Maybe you could ask the people of Fart, Virginia. Maybe, just maybe, you could ask the people, and I'm not making this up, folks. You could ask the people of My Large Intestine, Texas. Correct, ma'am. And finally, maybe you could ask the people of Poo Poo, Hawaii. I'm sure that you would find there that, yes, in fact, they might place some names above others. And this is also true in the word of God. See, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, it says this about the name of Jesus. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Luke 10 says that even the demons are subject to us in that name. Acts 4 says signs and wonders and healing are performed in that name. Jeremiah says the Lord's name is great in might. Proverbs 18 says the Lord's name is a tower that the righteous can run into and be saved. See, throughout the Old Testament, the Lord was called many things. To Moses, he revealed himself as Jehovah, the I Am, which was later equated to the term the Lord. El Elyon, he was known as the Most High God. The Lord was known as El Shaddai, the Almighty God. El Olam, the Everlasting God. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. Jehovah Imkadesh, the Lord who sanctifies or makes holy. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts or armies. Jehovah Gabor Milchama, the Lord mighty in battle. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Shama, the Lord is there. He was known as Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And finally, he was known as Emmanuel, God with us. And I'm so thankful today that we can see in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it tells us that he's able to become God in us. But these are all descriptions and titles. For centuries, the people of God yearned to know the name of God. Earlier on, they used generic terms for God like El or Elohim, which means God. In the knowledge that there was none other beside him. After the burning bush, they also referred to his proclamation about himself, that Jehovah, or I am, as his name and the equivalent for the word Lord. But they didn't yet have his name. But when we fast forward and we turn to John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning, the word was with God, and the word was God. Then we jump down to verse 14, which says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Father. Full of grace and truth. Or as 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says, Our omnipresent God himself was manifested in the flesh when he implanted himself inside Mary's womb, thus existing as both father and son. 
And in Matthew chapter 1, an angel of the Lord spoke about this son who is both fully God and fully man, saying, She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name, what? Jesus. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah, when the Lord used the prophet Isaiah to foreshadow the coming Messiah, in chapter 43, he said, in Isaiah 43, verses 10 through 11 and 15, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. Talk about Jesus. That ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Then skipping down to verse 15, I am the Lord, your Holy One. I want you to note right now that title, Holy One, is also used for the Messiah in Psalm 16 and across the New Testament. But it continues, the creator of Israel, your king. And again, Isaiah says, is used in Isaiah chapter 52 in verse 6. He says, therefore my people shall know what? My name. Therefore they shall know in that day that I am he that doth speak. Behold, it is I. Then in John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus says, I and my Father are one. In John chapter 5, verse 43, Jesus says, I am come in my Father's name. And in John 14, Jesus says, if ye love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that ye may even abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, but it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, he's talking about himself, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Skipping down to verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send, how? In my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. It's with this knowledge we can understand and relate with why God counted Deuteronomy 6.4. Important enough to include in a passage he required Israelites to recite on a daily basis, which says, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You might be thinking to yourself, why does this matter? We're talking about the name today. Why does this matter? What does this have to do with your message? It's because God didn't dispatch a Jehovah Junior to take care of the big guy's dirty business for him. The sovereign God, the creator of the universe, manifested himself in flesh to endure the pain and pay the price. Philippians 2 puts it this way, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God because it was himself, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, and that name is Jesus. Do you know what that name Jesus or Yeshua means? The name that the prophets of old achingly longed for to discover and hear. The name that the one true God purposefully chose when he revealed himself through that manifestation, Jesus. It means God is salvation. Just think about that for a moment. Think about the way that he operated throughout the scriptures, throughout the centuries. It's almost like a he was there all along type of love story that you sometimes see on your favorite shows. That's, but it spends thousands of years where he continues to arrange things where we can finally be together. 
but instead of just on those TV shows, it's even more than that. Because you see, we cheated on him. We disappointed him. See, in this case, he was beaten, spat upon. They stripped his clothes from him. They shoved a crown of thorns on his head for us. They whipped him mercilessly until his back was in ribbons. They nailed his hands and his feet onto a gory cross. They mocked and they ridiculed him. They stabbed him in the side with a spear. And for our sakes, he bled and died. All just to be with us. The paramount of all those titles and attributes ascribed to God throughout history was that he is our salvation. But the revelation of that name is why when we read Matthew 28, 19, where it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. We find no fault with Peter's instructions later in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Ghost falls and reveals that this is that which the prophet Joel spoke of. And who it was they refused and crucified. And we see the response in verse 37. Now when they heard this, talking about the multitude that was there, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, and how many know that promise is still present today, amen? And to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Because just as the old song says, I know it's all in him. It's all in him. The fullness of the Godhead and it's all in him. How many know that it's all in him? It's all in him. The mighty God is Jesus and it's all in him. I know Jesus is the father. Come on. I know Jesus is the son. I know Jesus is the Holy Ghost, and all these three are one. And it's why we also find no fault when Peter says in Acts chapter 4, verses 10 through 12, Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, talking about a lame man they healed, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. As a matter of fact, you don't see anybody baptized any other way by the early church in the Bible. Not only that, in Acts 19, we see Paul in verses 1 through 6 uh, with folks who were baptized otherwise under John's baptism of repentance. When there they were told by Paul that they should be rebaptized in the name of Jesus. And it came to pass, in verse 1 it says, that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. I just wonder if there's anybody in the house today who can testify that God still works just the same as he did in the book of Acts. Anybody here that can testify at that? That after you repented and were baptized in Jesus' name, you were able to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, speaking in an unknown tongue as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. Can anybody testify of that today? 
that there's more than just a belief to look forward to, but there's something unexplainable, that there's something that's like fire shut up in your bones, that there's a feeling so great that nothing in this world can compare. There's something that you just can't contain. There's something that just makes you want to dance, makes you want to shout, makes you want to leap for joy. There's salvation in that name. Let's go ahead and turn back to Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 again. Here you see there's one interesting thing in the scripture that's lost on most. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. We find an interesting term here. That Greek word hyper being interpreted as above actually has a meaning of for or on behalf of. So in the context, that term above can be understood as subsumes or contains or stands in for or on behalf of. This means that every time we call on the name of Jesus, the weight and meaning of every other title and attribute that's ascribed to the Lord is resident in that act. It means that you don't need to pray to some situational patron saint. You don't have to petition God with the title for that respective attribute. When you call on the name of Jesus, we get that El Elyon, the Most High God, for our low spots. When we call on the name of Jesus, we get that El Olam, the everlasting God, when everything else and everyone else is like a vapor. When we call on the name of Jesus, we get that Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, when there's nothing left and nowhere else to turn. When we call on the name of Jesus, we get that Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals, when we need to be made whole. When we call on the name of Jesus, within that name of Jesus, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner, proclaiming who it is we fight for. When we call in the name of Jesus, we get Jehovah M. Kadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. When we've fallen and need God to restore us, when we call on the name of Jesus, we get Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, when it feels like the enemy has us outnumbered. When we call on the name of Jesus, we get Jehovah Gabor Milchama, the Lord mighty in battle, when we need him to fight for us. When we call on Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness, when we need him, we get that direction when we need him to direct our path. When we call on Je Jesus, we get Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there, when it feels like nobody is. When we call on the name of Jesus, we get the attribute of wonderful when the devil tries to tell us that being sold out for God is cheesy and boring. When we call on the name of Jesus, we get that attribute of counselor when we need someone to talk to. When we call on the name of Jesus, we get the mighty God when the situation seems too hard. When we call on the name of Jesus, we get that everlasting father when we need someone to look up to. When we call on that name of Jesus, we get the Prince of Peace when everything else has gone crazy. All of this and more can be found in the name of Jesus. Everything we need is in Jesus. We're the people of the name. Romans says we become adopted when we receive his spirit, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So we take on his name as his children and heirs. And in Acts chapter 15, verse 14, it says he visited the Gentiles to what? Take them out of them, a people, for his name. We are people of his name, which is why when we pray, we're to ask in Jesus' name. Not only does this act proclaim the authority by which we claim things, but it also helps to put things in context that we're showing God. We cherish his word, because remember, his name is God of salvation. His word and call on our Savior to make good on his promises, reminding ourselves of our reliance on him in that salvation that our only entrance into those promises is through the salvation he gives, that we must admit that we need saving and allow him to do so. We're supposed to do all things in his name. You know why? Because there's power in the name. There's power in the name of Jesus. We can do great and mighty things, just like we sung about this morning. 
Greater things shall we do in his name. There's power when we call on that name. I don't know about you, but there's been times where, you know, I've been in a situation where we're about to get in an accident or something like that. And right in that split second, we call on the name of Jesus. And in a moment, immediately, Jesus delivers you out of that situation. Anybody else had that happen with them? There is power in the name of Jesus. At the mention of his name, the lame could walk. Demons were cast out. Signs and wonders and healings were performed. Lives were changed if the music would come. See, the funny thing about the flip side of Philippians 2.9 is that in order to dwell in those promises, in all those attributes that Jesus has for us, whom we call in that name, in order to reap those other benefits as children of God, that relationship is based on us admitting to ourselves that we're not enough on our own, that our own means is not enough, that just being a good person is not enough to save you, that we need his help, that we need to be saved which means that we need to allow him to first be our Savior. Here at Branches, we like to give everyone an opportunity to come to the front. That the music would come. We like to give everybody the opportunity to come to the front and spend some time in prayer. And let me be clear about something up front, that just because you come up here doesn't mean you're the worst person in the world, and nobody here thinks that, by the way. There's, there's not that perception here. In case you haven't noticed, by the way, whenever someone else is preaching, pastor is usually the first one up here when he's not preaching. So if that was the case, we're in trouble, right? But nobody thinks that here. You could be coming up here just to give God thanks and praise for what he's done in your life. You could be coming up here because, like every single one of us, you need God's help. Either way, don't rob yourself of a blessing, but allow yourself to be blessed by praying as a body here this morning. What better way to respond to the word of God today than to come in calling and praising on the mighty name of Jesus. I ask you as they come to the altar today, spend some time praising that matchless name. Spend some time worshiping him for being the God of your salvation. Maybe you need him to do a work in your life today. Allow him to be your savior again. Make yourself vulnerable to him and allow him to swoop in and save the day once more. Or maybe you haven't received the gift of the Holy Ghost yet. What you need to do today is call on him as Savior. You have to allow him to be your Savior. First, as Peter said, you must repent. That means to tell God you're sorry and turn away from your own ways and answers. He said you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, why wait? We have baptismal robes in the back you can change into. The water is a lovely 80 degrees. Pastor can baptize you today. And Peter said that you would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost just like they did in the book of Acts. If you haven't experienced that feeling we talked about before, spoken in tongues, take some time to pray today. Follow that plan. Know that Jesus is here right now.